Hello and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. Each week we're here to help you persevere through the tough times, be your most productive self and get that work in progress published. Wherever you are in your publishing journey, we've got your back. Today we're talking to past guests about lessons they learned from publishing their first books. Shout out to our podcast patrons for all of your support. And welcome to our newest patron, Lewis Ritter. As a patron, you'll get early access to episodes, the chance to submit questions for our guests, and access to our bonus series, Healthy Habits. Healthy Habits isn't your typical productivity advice. We're not here to tell you to get up at 4am and go for a three-hour run. Hell no. We're exploring the latest research to find small changes you can make in your life to be happier, healthier, and more productive in your writing life and beyond. To start developing healthier habits today, come join our community at patreon.com forward slash writers mindset. So as our lovely listeners will know, I am in the process of writing my first book, hopefully soon to be published. And I wanted to get in touch with some of our past guests and ask them what kind of lessons they learned from publishing their first books. What would they want to tell their past selves now, knowing what they know about publishing their first book? And we got some very interesting responses. Stay tuned for tips from Elizabeth Spancraig, Alexa Whitewolf, Matty Dalrymple, and Daniel Wilcox. One thing I learned when I published my first book was to go ahead and work on book two. The problem with being really focused on your first book is you get so wrapped up in the daily numbers and figures that you lose track of the creative process and moving forward with your writing career, which is what ultimately is going to help you find readership. The other tip I would have is if you've already decided to take your books wide, to think outside the Amazon and Barnes and Noble box and upload to things like library sites, which you can do through Drafted Digital or Publish Drive. Try to get your books into as many hands as you possibly can. What's the biggest lesson I learned when I published my first book? Oof, that's a good question. I'd say the biggest lesson I learned is to treat this author thing like the business it is. Anything less and you're pretty much just shooting yourself in the foot. And when I say treat it as the business it is, I mean look at, you know, constantly learning, improving yourself, analyzing your results, not digging yourself into the red. Um, Just basically, you know, look at it as a business, nothing else. The second thing is, um, I would say that stands out in my mind is the importance of varying marketing techniques and also not starting marketing off the bat. So for example, for a series waiting until there's three books or more before putting money into it, Um, and using the time in between writing books to learn ads. And when I say ads, I mean, don't just go into all ad platforms at the same time. You could, but can you actually maximize your time um, to the best that it could be? Probably not. So be it Amazon, Facebook, or BookBub, pick one, focus on it, learn it in and out, and you're going to see that your profit line, your bottom line will actually be maximized because you'll know it so much better. And when I say, um, for example, varying marketing techniques, I also mean doing a mix of ads and stacking promos. 
And the last biggest lesson that I learned when I published my first book, I would say, um, not necessarily when I published the first book, but overall in this business, it's having fun. It's so easy to get burned out in this industry, always trying to churn out new books and learn everything in sight. When you start off with your first book, all you can think about is your second and your third and your fourth and your fifth. And how can I make the, these books make money? And why aren't they making money? And it's a whole lot of pressure. Um, plus, you're always trying to absolutely learn everything in sight. Um, it's easy to, to lose sight of why you're doing it. When I hit a bad burnout last year in 2021, it took me months to get back to writing. For a while, I almost feared I'd started to hate it. But then I remember the joy of it and why I was doing it in the first place and I got back to it naturally. So yeah, bottom line is what I learned from, you know, my first book and overall is just treat it like a business, be ready to invest and analyze your results and constantly improve, vary your marketing and most of all, have fun. Hello, Ellie, Christina and fellow fans of The Writer's Mindset. I am Maddie Dalrymple. I am the author of the Anne Kinnear Suspense Novels and Suspense Shorts and the Lizzie Ballard Thrillers. And I'm also the host of the Indie Author Podcast. And I am here with my answer to the question that Ellie sent me, which is, what's the biggest lesson you learned when you published your first book? My biggest lesson is the importance of having a vision for your book and sticking to it unless circumstances indicate that maybe you haven't made the right choice. So the example I'm using is for my first book, The Sense of Death. And it is about a woman, Anne Kinnear, who can sense spirits. But it is not a woo-woo kind of book. It's a very matter-of-fact take on that ability. So Anne has a business based on her ability to sense spirits. It is managed by her brother, Mike. It involves contracts and the visits she makes are referred to as engagements. It's all very business-like. And when I was deciding on what the cover should look like, what I wanted was a very straightforward sort of design element that would convey a sense of suspense, which is the genre it is, but not go over the top in the woo-woo sense. And so I hired a cover designer, actually a pretty well-known cover designer, and described the book to him, described what I had in mind. And pretty soon he came back and it was hands around a crystal ball with a gothic house on a hill in the background. And I thought, that is not at all the tone of what I'm looking for for my book. Now, I'm not saying that was a bad cover. And I'm sure that there are readers that would be attracted by that cover that I'm not getting with the cover that I had in mind, but it wasn't the tone I was going for. And I didn't think it was an accurate representation of what the reader was going to get when they read the book. And so I worked further and ended up with a cover design that I really liked. It is a brass hand on a dark sort of reddish brown door, which I thought captured the mood and tone of the book much more effectively. And I love that cover. I love all the covers of my book. One of the benefits of being an indie, I never have a cover I don't like. And I'm getting, I think, a different pool of readers. I may be missing some of the ones that would have been attracted by the hands around the crystal ball, but I am getting another group that is appreciative of the less woo-woo aspect of it. And then they are getting a story that is in line with the expectation I'm setting with the cover. So that's my example that I learned very clearly from my first book of the importance of having a vision for your book and sticking with it unless circumstances indicate that you need to rethink. So Ellie and Christina, thank you so much for the invitation and great talking to the listeners and viewers of The Writer's Mindset. Hey, Christina. Hey, Ellie. Hey, listeners of the Writer's Mindset podcast. 
My name is Daniel Wilcox. I am the founder of ActivatedAuthors.com, the CEO of Devil's Rock Publishing Limited. I am uh, one of the co-founders of the Other Stories podcast and a host of number of things along the way, a horror author, all these kinds of things. But I have been invited very, very kindly by your host to answer the question, what is the biggest lesson you have learned when you published your first book? And so I am going to be a bit cheeky and I'm going to connect four points together around a central theme because I think that there are so many lessons you can learn from publishing that, that first book. And uh, uniquely enough, not uniquely enough, <laughs> mine are based around mindset, um, which I think is perfect for you guys. So here are my biggest lessons. Number one, your friends and family likely won't read your book. Um, I published my first book in 2015. I was incredibly worried about friends and family reading it because I'm a horror author. And obviously within that book are certain elements that aren't too nice. Uh, in general, I'm a nice guy. And so a lot of people weren't expecting me to become a horror author and to be writing this kind of stuff. So there was a real hesitation about putting stuff out there. What if I'm judged by my partner? What if my mom and dad disapprove? What if this? What if that? There were a lot of questions. And what I discovered when I released that book was in terms of my family and friends, not a single person bought, downloaded or read that book. And that sounds like a negative thing. But honestly, it's it was it was one of the most important lessons that I, I learned from the beginning because that book wasn't for them and actually in them not reading it what it allowed the book to do was to find the right readers so as a horror author i was writing for horror readers none of these people were horror readers and as i put it on amazon it was horror readers that found it It was horror readers who had been part of my social media that had jumped on that bought the book and because of that it meant that my algorithms were cleaner and it meant that amazon knew to promote the book to horror to horror readers uh, rather than my mum who reads a mix of like romance and thriller and my dad that reads fantasy like it was a blessing in disguise. So it really taught me the importance of finding the right readers and how you have to market to your genre. And, you know, just having 50 people on your mailing list is useless if they're all romance readers and I'm a horror author. So that's just number one. Number two, do not base your future success as an author on the success of your first book. Um, it's There's a really weird dichotomy with the traditional model of what writing is and what it should be and what it is to become an author because the path used to be you write a book you hand it over to an agent or a publisher the publisher puts it out and all the stories are you make lots of money you do very well you are an author on that first book incidentally it's very often not the first book that author will have written loads of books previously and it's that one that got them famous um if you're self-publishing or if you're looking at being an independent author that is a lightning bolt moment there are very very few authors that actually make it really big on that first book most of the time it's met with crickets dozens of readers or potentially hundreds of readers it depends how you plan how you research and how you stack your promos when you put that book out the way to make it as an independent author is to keep publishing and to keep writing books if you have one book out it's much harder to market and get people involved in that because you don't have the money and the gravitas of big publishers whereas if you have 10 books 15 books 20 books 50 books you have all these things that are much more likely to grab people if people like one they'll like another and that will multiply and that's what we call exponential growth so that really is the path of being an independent author and that has been partly a key to my success is just constantly putting books out constantly building that that reputation constantly building that mailing list it can be a slow grind, but that's really why I preach to the people in my Activated Authors community why you have to be passionate, why you have to find something that you love to write about. Because if you're self-publishing, you're in this the long game and you don't want to be writing about the stuff that you hate just to make money for about five years or so. Find something you're passionate about, play the long game and understand that even if that book does meet crickets, 
you can write a new book, you can go under a pen name. There are so many ways to try again. As long as you're hungry to learn and as long as you're passionate to continue, those are the two things that fundamentally help make an indie author successful. Within that, remember that publishing that first book is a beginning. It's not the end at all, although it does feel like it after putting you know months, potentially years into writing that book. Um, it does feel very all-consuming. And once you've published that book, a lot of authors, rightly so, take that sigh, let it all out and just relax for a moment. Once you publish that first book, that really is the beginning. That's where it starts. You now, going into point number four, you know the process. So it should be a lot easier or at least less mentally demanding because there's far less unknowns in how to publish a book and get it up onto platforms. And so from that point, it then becomes easier to put more books out, to write more stories, to keep improving your craft. And it's just about continual growth. So there's a number of things there to spring off of. Uh, I've probably <laughs> over divulged my time. I can only apologize, uh, but I'll quickly run through those again. Number one, your friends and family likely won't read your book. That's not a bad thing. Number two, do not base your future success of you as an author on your first book. Number three, once you've published your first book, that's the beginning. Number four, publishing gets easier over time. The more you do it, the more you get used to those mechanisms. Obviously things like advertising methods and everything else changes, but the actual fundamentals of what it is to get your book up on a store and sold to readers doesn't really change all that much. And so that pressure of learning all that while you're trying to write a book goes and it gets easier from there on. Um, apologies for <laughs> the very lengthy answer. I thank you very much for inviting me on to answer this question. Hopefully you invite me back again. Best of luck to everyone publishing their first book, or if you've just done it, best of luck with all the success of how that book's going. And find myself at danielwilcox.com, W-I-L-L-C-O-C-K-S, or at activateauthors.com. And I will talk to you guys later. Thank you. So what did you think to the tips? I loved the tips our guests gave us. They were really generous with their time, so thank you very much. I like that we started with Elizabeth's tip on kind of focusing on the series kind of mindset, because we've talked about that quite a few times here, you know, not just necessarily you can't do standalones, but more that people like series, series sells. And I think that was a good place to start the tips there because I'm already thinking about series. And so <laughs> that reinforced my belief that I was doing the right thing. <laughs> One thing that I think is worth considering if you are thinking of doing a series first is to start with a shorter series because my first series was five books and that almost felt a little bit too much like by the time I got to the end of book four bear in mind one of them is a novella I almost felt well I did feel ready to move on but I knew I had to finish what I started a for readers and b for financial reasons it didn't make sense to move on to something else when I was like this close to finishing it and it was doing well but at the same time I think by that point, my writing style had moved on and I was trying to emulate something from like, you know, almost 10 years ago for myself, whereas to readers, it was really new. So, yeah, I think starting off maybe with a duology or a trilogy would be much easier and less intimidating than doing five books. And I think it gives you a little bit more creative freedom as well, because it's so much easier to shoot yourself in the foot in a long series, says the person writing a universe that's going to have like 16 books in and currently is at 13, I think. You do like to punish yourself, don't you? Not intentionally. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> Alexa then went into stuff about business-focused ideas, which 
I'll be honest, I haven't thought about that much yet. I know I need to. I guess it just sort of gave me that little kick to remember that not quite yet, but I should be looking at business. The idea that you can track your results, analyze the results, and then go forward with new plans and new ideas for generating income and marketing and things like that. I love that concept because I don't think people talk about that enough. You know, we, we talk a lot about publishing and writing and getting the book out there. And yes, we cover some marketing, but analyzing results appeals to that data logic side of my brain. So I'm looking I, forward to that. I think we should see about getting some guests on about that kind of thing, because I have reached out to people before and it is those people who don't reply to me. So if anyone like can connect us with someone who can, you know, help us with that kind of businessy information that authors need, do let us know, because like Ellie said, it is so important. And Alexa has a really good approach to it. She balances the business side really well. And, you know, there are places you can get that information. There are some very good Facebook groups where authors are always willing to help each other. But it, it's a case of you've got to know where to look and who to reach out to. And that's not always easy. Matty's tip then about sticking to your vision. I like that idea. And I think I've struggled with that a little bit. Not with my book cover because I'm not quite at that point yet. But I think there have been times where I've been trying to... Well, I had the vision. I, I know what I want it to be. And I've almost been trying to dilute that to fit it into something else. Christina's nodding at me aggressively because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good at forgetting what I'm good at and leaning into it. Because Is it forgetting? Like, in, in the vein of being honest with our writers here, is it forgetting, Ellie, or is it something else? Well, I... I would say forgetting because I, I'm not very good at remembering what I'm good at. You've said to me, you're good at writing funny stuff. Why aren't you make, keeping it funny? You know, and I've gone, oh yeah, I am good at writing funny stuff. <laughs> the, the way you describe it sounds more like what a lot of writers face and it's fear. You're yeah, afraid of being judged the wrong way for writing comedic and leaning into your skill set because being funny is fucking hard. <laughs> and... You know, with, with that first book, there is that fear of judgment. And if you come from certain backgrounds, there is always that question of, am I good enough? Will people like it? Will I get a barrage of shitty reviews? And, you know, reviews do matter. I'm not going to lie. I had one of my first reviews for what happens in New York was a two star review that said I wouldn't pay for it. And it killed my US downloads for a very long time for like four years. And you know, that that did really hurt when I got that review, but it didn't kill me. None of that stuff is going to kill you. No, it's true. I definitely have that fear as well. You're absolutely right. I need to uh, I need to be brave and true to myself and stick with my vision, like Matty said. <laughs> yeah, something that I was actually working on for a client reminds me a little bit of this. And um, the short version of it is that they were a musician and they always used to get stage fright when going on stage. And they asked someone kind of further along in their musical career, you know, does the stage fright ever go away? And this person replied, no. When you stop getting stage fright, you stop caring. That's interesting. So you're saying we're never going to stop getting stage fright. <laughs> I'm always afraid of putting a book up for pre-order. It's just not crippling like it was for my first book. Okay. 
So I'm can... always afraid of putting a book up for pre-order. What if I can't reach the pre-order date? What if something goes wrong? What if this book isn't as popular with readers of the series as the previous ones? What if I've spent all this time in a book and it doesn't resonate like the first series did? You know, my second series isn't as popular as my first one was. My third series is more popular than both of them. You know, you can't predict this shit. But at least having all those anxieties... It shows you still care, right? It shows you still have that passion. I prefer that outlook too. I have generalized anxiety disorder that is trying to kill me. So I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yes, you care. You are a passionate person. I That's true. Tell. That's true. <laughs> Dan had some really good mindset tips to share. He did. He was full of good tips, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he covered a lot of what I was already thinking, which is why I don't really have anything to add. You know, everyone's tips were so good, but the stuff about how publishing gets easier over time and your first book being the beginning, not the end of a journey is something that really resonated with me because until you have published that first book, I don't think you truly get it. Like you can get it, but not get it. It's like hearing, not listening, right? It's not quite the same and you can't visualize it. I I like to compare it to going up a staircase. So you go up this staircase and up a tower and you reach a door and you think that's the end. And you go through the door thinking you're at the top of the tower in this great room. And then you find another staircase on the other side. And neither staircase is necessarily steeper than the other, but they are different, you know. And when you arm yourself in advance by listening to podcasts like this one, reading books, talking in Facebook groups on some of the discords that are available for hopefully us one day and other writing podcasts, you know, you are much more armed and capable of dealing with some of those obstacles and also you can hit the ground running much sooner because you're not learning as you go. You've already got a lot of those skills. And it just makes life infinitely easier, more less stressful, not more stressful, when you have got those skills and tactics and the right mindset early on, rather than having to pivot later. And, you know, if you have to pivot later, doing it sometime is better than not doing it at all. Like, please, I'm begging you, don't be that person who's like, I've been doing it this way for years. I'm never going to change. Like, fuck that. You can change. You can grow. You're not a politician. People aren't going to hold it against you if you change your mind, right? You're doing this for yourself. You're doing this to help readers. You're hopefully doing it because you enjoy it. Don't hold yourself back because of some stupid conviction that you can't change your mind. Why do I sound really posh saying that? You you this the passion. I'm telling you, it's the passion. Why does that make me sound posh? Surely my accent should come out at that point. <laughs> I don't make the rules. No, but you're absolutely right. Like it's remembering why you're doing it, right? Like he said, remember what you're writing for. And I like that that the whole concept of the first book is the beginning really appealed to me too because we get so focused on reaching that first deadline, that first, sorry, um, finish line. <laughs> no more sports metaphors for me. Clearly I'm not <laughs> built for sports metaphors. But we get so focused on reaching that first finish line that it's hard to remember that's just the first hurdle in the long marathon. The sports metaphor has gone wrong here, clearly, you can tell. But you yeah, know what I, I mean. Can I make a better one? Can I make a better sports metaphor? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, th- this might go over the head of a lot of people, but I know at least a handful of our listeners are into F1, so we'll get it. 
your first book is kind of like qualifying where it's very stop and start and you're trying to work out if you know this um setup is right or if you need to change tires or if you need to change something on the engine or if something's not sitting right and occasionally you crash into a wall even though it's only qualifying you know if things go wrong the the ground can get slippy it can be wrong you can have the wrong tires think a thing an animal can run across the track you don't know what's going to happen during qualifying but then once you get through qualifying regardless of where you qualify you are then in that race and then it depends on how fast you want to go like it doesn't have to be an f1 car it could be f2 f3 it could be a flipper mobility scooter what matters is that you are in that race and that you are trying and you're doing it at a pace that works for you because your readers if they are nice people and you're attracting the right people, they will wait for you and they will come back. That's true. I like that metaphor, the unpredictability in particular, because I've definitely felt that. And I've definitely (laughs) been guilty of focusing on that first finish line as well. So I'm going to keep reminding myself it's just a qualifying. (laughs) Do do I need to remind you every time like it's qualifying day in the F1? Like (laughs) that's what it is. (laughs) hey ellie it's qualifying don't forget you're also qualifying (laughs) but the thing is like it's not a case of you are doing this to see kind of where you fit in the rankings because you're probably going to be right down the bottom because you're just starting out in the same way as like some of the f1 teams that don't have the budget and some of the fancier tech don't do as high up and then some of them do have the budget and they still do shit i'm not going to name names but if you're into f1 you know who i mean And there are some that have the most amazing cars, but their strategy is shockingly bad. And I think going back to how this ties to books, sometimes you can have the best product, but if your strategy is bad, your marketing strategy, your business strategy, maybe even your release strategy, because for some genres that does matter, then you're not going to get as much out of it as you could. And that's why it's important to know what works for your genre, what works for your readers, what other authors are doing. And that's why we also bring on a variety of writers on this podcast, because what works for them could work for you. You don't know unless you try. What an excellent point to end the episode on. I don't think I can add anything more. That was perfectly summarized. <laughs> the, the one, th- one other thing I will say is that the less pressure you put on yourself to write that first book, the easier it is. But for me, I did need a deadline to finish it and get it out in the world because if I didn't have that deadline, I don't think I ever would have done it and no one would have believed me that I would do it because until I published What Happens in New York, I was that person who didn't finish anything. I got bored. I had a short attention span. Things didn't go my way and I gave up, right? And... When I published What Happens in New York, people's perception of me changed because I stopped being that person who couldn't finish things and I started being someone who did finish it and now has 19 books out. You know, so that pressure, you've got to find kind of your tolerance, I guess. And maybe you already know that. Maybe it's a case of trial and error. For me, I don't work well under short deadlines, but I do work well with a deadline and with pacing because then I can space out when I'm doing things. And that's why I often set release dates for my books well ahead of when I think I can actually finish it for, because then I've got breathing room and I can just bring it forward when it's ready. And I've never had a reader complaint because I'm always upfront about the fact that this is like, the, the like if shit hits the fan and I can't get out of bed release date, it's not the actual thing that I'm aiming for. And when pressure starts to mount, I think it can start to feel 
like having an asthma attack and you can't breathe, you can't function, maybe you don't have an inhaler and you don't meditate and so you don't know what to do and you panic and you just stop. And over time, that creativity inside of you dies because you've given up. But, you know, having the right support, having the right community, having someone to vent to when things aren't going your way, that really, really does make a difference because that is your inhaler. I'm doing well with metaphors today, aren't I? Maybe we should record in the morning more. We're throwing them out there left, right and (laughs) centre. Yeah, let's not record in the morning more. No. No, but that's very true. I feel very re-inspired so to speak so i was already happy writing my book and i was always going to write this book but hearing these tips from our previous guests and obviously our discussion today i feel re-inspired reinvigorated and uh, ready to get going if you found this episode interesting or helpful make sure you subscribe to the writer's mindset on youtube or your favorite podcast platform or all of them we don't mind Everything from a like to a rating to a review to a subscribe to shouting about us on social media helps us to reach more writers so that they can overcome the mindset issues that are holding them back with their writing too. If you're on social media, come join us on Instagram at Writers Mindset Pod or join our Facebook group, which you can find by searching for the Writers Mindset. And don't forget to come join us over on Patreon for our bonus series, Healthy Habits. See you next time. Keep writing.